Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Lord, I thank you for this night, dear God. We thank you for this evening, Lord. This evening, Lord, and the night to come. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are just available to us, Lord, to speak to, to talk to, and to get good instruction during the night so that you can seal us with the instruction we need to know. And Lord, you've given us something important today. And Lord, I pray that people will begin to understand it. Dear Lord, about the weapons and so forth that are to come, dear Lord, and what to do about this. And Lord, I pray that they will meditate on it and take it for deep understanding. And dear Lord, not be rash but be following you, Lord, and growing in knowledge because, dear Lord, they need to get the knowledge of your words to overcome what is in front of them. And we want to talk about this because it was a blessing in the days of Joseph that tells us a mystery of this, and I want to talk about that. But, Lord, first I'd like to review with you, dear God, uh, what you did previously, Lord. And, dear God, uh, we talked the other night about the words in John 21 about the way of the the words, the 153 words and where we got that number and so on. But Lord, I'd like to review because then that night I talked about the four spirits and the seven spirits and so on. But Lord, I didn't give a good clarity. I'd just like to summarize very quickly, dear Lord, the way of your spirits and those involvements of the activities. And I believe that people will begin to see this and understand it. Lord, we talked about in John 20, 19 to 23, verses 19 to 23 in chapter 20 of John. On the And this was on the first day of the week when you appeared to the disciples in the upper room. And they were elated to see, of course, they were stunned. They didn't know if they were seeing a ghost or what. But dear Lord, you spoke to them and you gave them four instructions. I went over those the other night. I'm not going to go over them again. I explained that the, you did these things, dear Lord. Donald, peace be with you and so on. And um, you you gave them instruction about the sin and so forth. But you did that in the way of the four spirits. And then eight, in John 20, it tells us that eight days later when Thomas was there, you came and you showed your wound to him. And he put his hand there. And Lord, you were showing that the Father God is in the, in that, dear God. You, you proved the, the power of the Spirit of God. You were testifying to the work of the fifth Spirit of God. And dear Lord, what I'm pointing at is the first thing you did was Reveal the way of the four horses to the people, the way that we are to be doers of the first four spirits. And you showed us the way of this in giving the words. First, we have to hear the words. We have to come out of the world and we have to receive these words of wisdom and you'll cause us to know them. And dear Lord, because you'll pour out your spirit upon them and have us know the words. And then, dear Lord, as you said in Proverbs 1, 19, excuse me, Psalms 1, 19, 1 to 30. Psalms 119, 130, verse 130. You told us there, dear Lord, that the entrance of your words gives light and gives understanding to the simple. So, Lord, you give us light, which is the words of God. Gives us the wisdom of God that lights our path, that guides us. And then you give us understanding of how to be doers of your word. And then the fourth thing is to give us counsel. And that's what we're talking about in the, the first part of this in John 20. 
uh, 19 to 23, and then in John 20, verses 26 to 27, when you're talking to Thomas and the disciples again after the eighth day, you're showing them the power of God. And he came back on the eighth day. It's the day of regeneration where we're going to get our new bodies in the kingdom. And you're showing us this, dear Lord, that you'll bring us through and to that time. And dear Lord, you were testifying of the way of the Spirit of God that gives us the knowledge and the eternal plan of you to overcome and the might and authority to do so. Uh, dear Lord, then you did something special. You you came back, dear Lord, in John 21, and you showed them, dear God, the, the way of the work that they were to do. And in that, you also utilized the way of the four spirits, as I showed or discussed with with you in regard to Peter and your instructions to Peter, which were given in four parts, all of it done in the way of the four spirits. And if they go back to that message the other night, they will understand what we're talking about here. But in the overall aspect of John 21, you were showing us the knowledge of your work and the knowledge of the work that you were given to the disciples to finish. And you told them to take a few of the fish and go feed my sheep my lambs. And you said, dear God, in in the, the sixth spirit is the knowledge of the work that we are to do to walk in holiness, to walk in the way of righteousness. But then, dear Lord, you did something after that. It's recorded in Luke 24, 46 to, 20, or 46 to 51. This was after you're about ready to, to go up in the ascension. And you're telling them to what you know more instruction what to do, but what you did there is tell them something very important. You told them to wait in Jerusalem until the power fell. See, that's the way of the seventh spirit is to wait and to remember the works. And they went every day into the temple, rejoicing and and uh, increasing in knowledge and understanding, which is the way of the seventh spirits. Recall the works, recall the things you'd done. They talked about everything that you'd done between themselves, dear Lord, but they waited till the power fell. And then you gave them the pouring out of the power. And this power came in Acts 2. Uh, it tells us there that the power came as woven tongues of fire, symbolic of these times. This times, dear Lord, you're going to give them a mighty sword. That sword is the sword of the word. The word is also the fire of you. Like lightning flashes from the east to the west. It's lightning is, you know, people can say that's fire, that's light, but it's the immediate word being spoken. It's like you can shoot an arrow. It's the words of God. But if we throw a spear into something, that's a little bit different. That's an immediate word of strength being done. An arrow we shoot in a distance, and it's a plan of God and a work that we're going to do. And a spear is more symbolic of being in the war fighting because you only use the spear in the process of the war. Um, I wanted to point out, though, uh, that's the way the seven spirits of the power fell down, and they were able to go out because what you said, it was like woven tongues of fire, and one of those fires, one tongue sent, set on each one of the disciples, and they went out into the streets, and they began to speak. And what I would like to also remind the people of the read Acts 2 very carefully we are told that this is like you said that in the last days. See, if for the house of Israel, this was their last days. You told them and warned them that they would receive the words. You sent the disciples out to, to call. You know, you only said you'd come to the house of Israel. 
And he sent them out to bring in the lost the house of Israel and then to take the words to the Gentiles to, to set the path. But it wasn't the Gentiles' time when you're going to cause them to know the words. If they would have turned and all came, yes, it would have come to them. But dear Lord, they did not do that. And you said in Matthew 21, 43 to 44, that it would be that you'd be taking away the kingdom from the house of Israel. And you did do that in Acts 28, 28. Paul met with the, they'd already rejected it in, in uh, Jerusalem, the rabbis and so forth, the Sanhedrin and all that. And uh, so then you sent Paul to Rome and where you met with the Jews that were there and the businessmen and all those. He invited them to his house that he rented so that they could hear the word. And they heard it and some believed and some didn't, but they did not turn as a group and receive the word and therefore the kingdom that could not come. So that, that marked the ending of it. And Paul says that it's been sent to the Gentiles. But it was not given to the Gentiles to receive it until you fulfill Zechariah 14, 6, and 7. In Zechariah 14, 7, it says there that the Father will cause the words to be made known. And dear Lord, we know that from all of the Daniel's 70th week and other things, dear Lord, it wouldn't happen until that time when the Father would cause the words to be received. Because the 70th week cannot start until the flood is over with. The flood is the words of the dragon's mouth. They have to be overthrown. That's very important for us to understand. Daniel 9, 26 and 27 tells us that. Daniel 9, 26 says the end comes with the flood. Then begins the covenant of the seven years. And at that time, no beast kingdom is ruling. Because as you said in Daniel 7, Verse 11 and 12, you've taken away the dominion from the beast kingdoms, like you said again in uh, Revelation 17. The ten kings, the the peoples of the ten kings are here. Uh, You're going to destroy their leadership. So they will not have dominion for seven years. It is not that you're going to make a peace treaty with the world because you're not. There's no such thing in the scriptures. It says very clearly you're going to rule over the heavens with a rod of iron. There will be no leadership on the earth. They'll be destroyed. And that gives us a little bit of what I'd like to talk about tonight, which is the favor of the Lord. You go on uh, in Acts 2, by the way, you go on and you tell us in there that when they went through these things and people so badly get this wrong. And dear Lord, I wish I could help them, but they will not hear. But you tell them in there that you want all the people to be turned and you want them uh, to become baptized. It, it, you tell them in this. And um, Now, when the people heard that, um, this is in verses 36, 37 of uh, Acts 2, it says, uh, Therefore let all the house of Israel know surely that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And back in Daniel 9, 24, the six instructions that God gives to us for this very time is that we have to anoint the Most High as God and his Son as our King and Savior and, and as God. He's the image of God to us. And through us, we speak to God. I mean, through him, we speak to God. Through us, he is glorified. And then it goes on. It said, uh, you have glory of the Lord, but he's more glorified when we glorify him and glorify the Father. It goes on, and, and uh, he said um, in here, he says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the disciples, Men and brethren, what shall we do? 
Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, which is the word of God that they did not know, which is what he's telling us in Revelation 19, 11 to 13. And here they're telling him about the word. The name of Jesus Christ and the word for the remission of sins. Jesus died so that the words could be opened. And that is what happened with the, the father tore the temple veil. So now we can come into the temple on high. And we are the words, the spirit will be poured out on us, as Jesus said. And we will be caused to know his words, which we are judged by. John twelve forty eight, Proverbs one twenty three. It said, um, then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Because he tells you in John fifteen three that it's the words that he spoke that washes away and makes you clean. He tells you this in Ephesians five twenty five to twenty seven that it's the words that wash you clean and make you spotless. But the people will not hear, and they want to keep their own doctrines and they believe they got it. And some of them think they're prophets and apostles and they're not even teaching this correctly, and it's very sad. And it says. Um, Remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You cannot receive the gift of the Holy Spirit until you come out of the world. It's John fourteen fifteen to 17. And you come out of the world, you're set apart by the truth, which is the words of God, which is John seventeen seventeen, Joel 2, 12 to 20. And also is what Paul's talking about in Ephesians five twenty five to 27. It's a mystery of the church. And the called out assembly and the called out assembly has not heard. They hear his speech. They hear these words right here, but they cannot rightly divide it because they do not understand his words, John eight forty three to 47. And what a shame that is. And people are so prideful, they won't even hear when you try to tell them that they're, they're understanding this wrong. They won't even hear you. They refuse to hear you. He says, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on, for the promises to you and to your children to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. What does he do in Proverbs 1, 20 to 20, uh, two, uh, 23? It's the wisdom's calling out her words. But the people are simple and they're in, living in simplicity or naivety or ignorance, you can call it. Please come and hear the word. And remember, he goes on, if you read Acts 2, 40, 47, he's talking about, you've got to set yourself apart from the perverse generation. And you've got to do so how? Jesus said in John 17, 17, it's set apart by the word, by truth, which is the word of God. Go back and look at Psalms 119, 160, and Psalms 119, 142, and repent for your rebelliousness, the hard-heartedness, and the, the, the can I say, thick skull? Uh, it's so much like it but you know when they did this when they began receiving the words the 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 church was added to daily but until they receive it they're not going to receive it now when you get into doing that you're going to begin to into getting the favor of god the favor of god we've talked earlier this week in regard to the tribe of Asher and the tribe of Naphtali. And we talked about let him be favored by his brothers, as it says in Deuteronomy 33, uh, verse uh, 24 to Asher. And Deuteronomy 33, 23, Obnatali, satisfied with favor. How is he satisfied? Because he uses beautiful words. Go back and see Genesis 49, 21. 
And let him be favored, Asher, favored by his brother. And why? Because he's rich. His bread of instruction is rich. And he's able to yield royal dainties. And how do you yield? You're not of God. Royal is the God. He's the most high. He should be our king right now. And we're not appointing him like we're supposed to do in Daniel 9, uh, 24. And we will produce royal dainties, which is good works of the Father. Because the Lord says, if you will not hear my words, you're not of God. If you're not of God, you're not going to be allowed to call upon his good works. Because he said in Deuteronomy 18, 19, Deuteronomy 18, 18 to 19, that in this day when he's caused his words to be opened, those who reject it will not be able to call upon him. It's it's really sad. I wish I could convince people more, but I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, a couple things tonight, and then tomorrow night we're going to talk about this in a better way when we talk about Joseph. Uh, it'll be more clear, I think, at that time. But I want to talk real quickly about favor. It's important that we understand this because we are being deceived right now in such critical ways, and I'm not going to go into this tonight, but we are we're being greatly re- deceived by what is happening in the nation and leadership and so on. But I wanted to point out to these leaders of the nation and Trump and all of these people that he's appointing that actually have worked for the Crown Trust secretly for years, and he's putting them into these high positions like Attorney General, Commerce Secretary, all these things that he's talking about. They're all people who have secretly worked with the dark side. As I've explained many things about the dark side, who they are and what they do and when they meet secretly and what's going on uh, with the Crown Trust and so on. And these people work with them. Well, I want to point out something. It's very important for us to understand. This timing that we're in, they're going to come at us with a war. They're going to create a civil war. They're going to create all these problems. But I want to get a basic uh, foundational understanding to you based upon the Ishigar blessing that we talked about uh, last night. I want to talk about Zechariah 14, 12 to 15. This is important because they have to understand that if they come against his people, the people who fought against Jerusalem, in other words, all the people who come against Jerusalem, and Jerusalem is the city who has a foundation of knowledge, of truth, knowledge of the words of God, knowledge of the Holy One. Those are the ones that set themselves apart in truth. It's not the Jerusalem we see today with the with the occult Supreme Court building and all of that. That is not what God is talking about. He's talking about Jerusalem, of the city that's coming. They're set apart unto him. And he's going to cause his tribes to be set apart to him. He's going to bring out a remnant. And they're going to be greatly blessed because they're going to hear what we're saying. And they're going to fulfill these things. They're going to be zealous to, to fulfill it and to seek these things out. That's why he's going to seal some. But they're going to have to know why they're being sealed and what the work is. Because the sealing, what's it come with? When he says he's going to seal these people, put a seal on them, a seal comes in the night and a seal comes with the instruction of God. That's why God is making this knowledge known. They're going to believe it because the Spirit's going to move upon them and cause them to understand this because it cannot seal them without being done by the Word. A sealing is like when he he anointed me back in... Uh, June 8th, 1985, he touched me with a sword, flat, like a flat iron fire. And it just went flatly straight down through my body very slowly. And, you know, went out my arms, went out my feet uh, from the bottom. And and I was in a moving car and turning corners. It was perfect all the way through. Now, that, that turning didn't matter a thing. 
See, God knows every particle and has called them by number. And so as he's touching you and anointing you, nothing, it doesn't matter what you do, he's going to cause it to go at the pace and nothing will be missed. Even if you're turning and going at an angle and driving at speed, it doesn't matter. Because God is counted for every particle, every second, every millisecond of time. Okay, so that is what I wanted to just point out to you. The, the warning to these are lost in favor. And I, I tell you, but God tells us that he's going to destroy all of the pagan symbols. And he's going to destroy all the things of the power of this crown trust city. See, the city of the Babylon is the way that they operate and so forth. And you see this with their cult statues, like Windsor Castles, filled with this occultism. It's got in there the Knights of Temple. I mean, the Knights of uh, of the Garter, all their images and everything that they've built to empower the workings that they're trying to do for evil. So that pagan church, that pagan castle, and even look, they they've got in there they got devils mounted uh, on statues uh, on on the stairwell systems, and they got. These uh, unicorns with, uh, with you know, uh, split hoofs like the devil's feet, uh, the pagan feet and stuff. And the queen designed some of those and put them in, had them put in. You know, it, it is a total occult thing. What I'm trying to tell you is you can go look at them now. Make sure you know that they exist and look at the Statue of Liberty and look at the, the Congress building with Jupiter and uh, the Capitol building in America with Jupiter uh, there as a statue out in front and the and the supposed to be the freedom statue at the top. It's taken away the freedom of the world. And it's used by the, you see, the whole nation was pledged to the queen in 2008. And so, all these things that you're looking at, look at them now, because I'm telling you, a year from now, you won't see them. Or a couple of years from now, you're not going to see them. They're in their last breath of time because God is going to reduce all them. I believe it's in this year even, within uh, one year from now, that we will see all this happen. Because the people are going to get the plagues. The people are going to be so distressed that they're going to see this stuff destroyed. The power is going to be taken away from them. And they're going to destroy this city when they see the strength of that city is gone because when those idols get destroyed, the people are going to turn on those who put them in place and kept them in place and powered over them. That's why the, the, the palaces of these places like Buckingham Palace that you're committing to put all this money into. Forget about it. These places are going to be destroyed because they are the center of occultism and the Lord himself is going to destroy them. Now, I'm going to tell you something that is important, I believe. And Lord, I thank you for putting this in the scriptures, but we should understand it very carefully. We should understand, I explained yesterday, Ishikar was the ninth Blessing. Now, the ones who are going to be sealed in ninth. It's also the ninth son of Leah, a ninth son of uh, Jacob, the fifth son of Leah. And that power and the might is there. And this is really important because I want to read this last part again here. Now, let me read the, the Deuteronomy 33, 18 to 19. And of Zebulun, he said, rejoice, Zebulun, is, and you're going out, and Ishikar in your tents. They shall call the people, the peoples to the mountain. There they shall offer sacrifices of righteousness, for they shall partake of the abundance of the seas 
and of the treasures hidden in the sand. I'd like to explain something. If you go to Revelation seventeen fifteen, you look at the waters, which is the seas of the world. The queen has given been given ownership through the secret law of the sea treaty that all the nations signed, giving her the ownership of all the seas. And all the nations are, are set up as corporations that are owned by her. And they are not independent. Their sovereignty has been taken away. And they are like boats anchored to her rivers and her sea. The rivers run to the sea. She owns the rivers and the seas. And these corporations are put into the corporations that she also owns because she controls all the all the, the treasuries and so forth. So don't believe anything Trump says or Clinton say or anything like this. Anybody who believes any of these political leaders is walking in foolishness because none of them have any power to do anything they're saying unless they do what is told to them by the Crown Trust. It's like this, uh, Mr. Sessions. If he was on the committee of the budget, as it says he was in the Senate, it means that, it should mean that, he participated in the February meetings annually where they have to go in top secret meetings and meet with the Crown Trust. And in that meeting, Nancy Nicholson sits next to Jacob Rothschild. And they get permission for their budget for all two, 22 cabinets and the 21 secret companies for what they're going to do in the following year. Our nation is controlled at that meeting, and that is what... So if this man is going to be attorney general and he's worked on this and gets his permissions from the Crown Trust and has been doing so, what do you think is going to happen? What do you... You know, it's just silliness that's going on. Nobody's talking truth. I told you that the, you know, Mr. General Flynn is, uh, was in charge, but to the best of my understanding of intelligence reports... And I explained to you what's, I mean, it's ridiculous, these intelligence reports. They're not intelligence. You know, you can learn more. It's the dark side that tells these people what to do. They're given what to say. You know, it's like there's three attorney generals I've heard that explained to Obama what he's to do. These attorney generals are from Europe. And they explain to him what to do. And they have their agents here doing all these things. But they all report to the Crown Trust. So nothing's going to change there. Now, that's important. If you if you grasp a little bit of that, it doesn't matter. And, and what I'm saying is that, to the best of my knowledge, this is what these people, these two that I mentioned, uh, they would seem like they have to know better than what they're doing. If they're really on the budget committee, if they're really holding the high position they're saying is, then they know about what I'm talking about. If they don't know about it, they should never be in office because they're not able to overcome the world. They're not over, able to overcome the problems we have. They're, they're not able to do anything about the economy or any any other thing. And there's only one way to do it, and that's by the words of God. Now, it says, For they shall partake of the abundance of the seas and treasures hidden in the sand. The Lord is claiming back all the treasures of the world. Ecclesiastes 2.26. He's taking it back from them. He's going to destroy them. They're going to take away their dominion. And he's taking it back all their property. It's just like the Pharaoh did in and uh, Joseph did for the Pharaoh back in Genesis 47. And there's a whole lot of likeness to that story of Joseph because there was seven years of plenty and seven years of the, you can say, the darkness with famine and so forth. We are in the seven years of the night right now. We had seven years of light in the evening, as it says in Zechariah 14.7, just like in the days of Joseph. 
And now we're in the time of the night where it's coming to the conclusion. The time when the Pharaoh was destroyed in the sea, that's about to come. They're going to be swallowed up in the midst of the sea and get plagues and so on at the beginning of the light of the day that's coming. But right now is the night and these things are being sealed because all the judgments of God are being done now. He talks about bringing the people to the Valley of Jehoshaphat. There's two types of meanings to that. There will be a battle of Armageddon later on. It'll be more than a little bit more than seven years from now, or excuse me, a little bit more than 11 years from now, or about 11 years from now. And in that time, um, maybe a little bit less than 11 years, but it's right there. I think it's in the, the fall season is what I'm trying to say, uh, when the Lord returns at the end. But right now, we we see this, and uh, we're at the, end, the beginning of the morning, and the Lord is going to take over all of these things. But during the time of the night, the people lost all their property and everything else. See, Joseph was preparing to take away all these things because during the seven years, he was working for the Pharaoh as the Lord gave him instruction because the Lord was testing his people and testing the people of Egypt like he's testing the Gentiles of this day. We're under trial. By the day of the Lord, it became a trial. The light was open. We paid no attention. They had a famine of great things. They didn't store up anything. Then see the church during the seven years when the light was available to the churches, when the God would have moved in the churches and saved them from the troubles to come during the night, they wouldn't hear the words. They rejected said, the abomination straight from the pits of hell. So you see there the problem we have. Joseph was building these places where he's going to take the people because he's taken their land away from them, taken everything away from them and moving them into cities that he prepared during the seven years of good. The people been comparing, and I met with preachers who know because generals told them that they were preparing these FEMA camps, and nobody pays attention. Joseph was preparing cities to take the people out of their property and put them in those cities, and he made them bonded slaves. This is happening again, only this time there's going to be a tremendous amount of deaths because these people want to kill 7 billion. They don't want to put them, the FEMA camps are only a temporary stage until they, they gas them and put them into the, the furnaces, that they, these thermal plasma oven furnaces that they've prepared for them that I've told you about. Many people know this. Many people have said this, but nobody pays attention. They say there's nothing we can do. They've rejected the thing that they can do all this time, and I want to talk, explain a little about, about this can do tonight. Uh, I'm getting to that point. Just hang on with me, if you will. But in the seven years of the evening, when the light was available, Zechariah 14, 7, that was evening time of the Lord is seven years long. The night is seven years long. And during the night, they have also not done anything. And the world has moved fast and strongly destroying people, bringing the world into riots and revolution and so forth that the finally we're coming to the really bitter ending that we're in now. We're coming to this. And this is the ending of it. And he will seal the people with their judgment because if they come out with the world, if they, the Valley of Jehoshaphat, the, the meaning of that um, is the Lord judged in other words, the Lord judges. In other words, the Valley of Jehoshaphat is the same as the separation judgment. It's going to be the same thing at the end of the uh, time of the Antichrist when that comes about. And that's seven years away before he even starts to reign. But in, at the end of the 42 months of his reign, that is when it's another Valley of Jehoshaphat. That's when they gather at Armageddon and, and do it. But the Valley of Jehoshaphat means that time, the people, and the world are like a valley. And all of them are gathered for judgment. 
the Lord has judged. Separation judgment is he's coming to render the judgment of God, which is Matthew 25, 31 to 34. He separates the people apart on the earth. These are going to get refined. They're going to grow in wisdom and understanding and do good works so they can be made spotless and then raptured. These others are going to go into the plagues, going to go into the destruction. They're going to go into famine. They're going to go broke. But they are also going to do something else. As it says in Revelation 17, they're going to destroy the city of the harlot. They're going to destroy all of her things. They're going to turn on each other, and they're going to be so angry that they followed this way, that, that they've been deceived by this government, by these occult statues. They're going to tear down these statues all over the world because they're going to realize God is going to cause knowledge to be stirred up in them, and they're going to realize these things have held them captive, and they're going to tear them down. God says the harlot is going to be destroyed by the people of the sixth beast kingdom. They don't have dominion yet, but their people are going to destroy the city of the harlot. They're going to be angry at it. And they're going to destroy it. And God tells them something else. All those in Zechariah 14, 12, 15, all those that come against his people that are set aside, the ones that have a foundation of truth, which is what are of the... Remember he said in John five twenty four, if you will hear the voice of the Lord, if you will believe in the promises of God, in other words, you hear the words of the voice of the Lord because that's what he speaks, and you believe in the promises of God that these words enable, you will pass through these judgments and you will have eternal life. What's that mean? It means that you will be a part of the eternal city of Jerusalem. So he says, those who come against these people who are sealed with my word, this is what's going to happen to them in Zechariah fourteen twelve. He says, their flesh shall dissolve while they stand in their feet. And they're, they're going to get the boils all over their body. It's called the plague of Tessarit. So they're not going to see that. They're going to have blood and pus just running out of their body all over. And their eyes shall dissolve in their sockets, and their tongue shall dissolve in their mouths. They're not dying. He didn't say they died. He says this is what's going to happen to them. It shall come, bass, come to pass in that day that a great panic from the Lord will be among them. See, that's why he says in Revelation 6, these people say, Who's can, who can stand? These plagues are coming upon us. Who can stand? And they're going to get worse once they have that plague upon them. And they start seeing this plague coming upon these people. You remember, God did many times to the people of Israel when they were coming out. He sent plagues upon them and just died. Bam, 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 bam. This plague's going to be that they're going to see it. Just like uh, when Moses saw the plague of Tesaret come on Miriam, he cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, stop this. And so he, he said you had to go outside the city for seven days. See, the Lord is saying that you got to grow in knowledge. It's going to be seven seasons for these people. I believe because he says in Revelation 18, 1 to 4, it's, it's about uh, a half an hour, about a half an hour, seven seasons. And so they're going to get these plagues for seven seasons. And it's and, uh, maybe only six in the third before he restores them. They start letting them grow. It may take a, 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 a you know, the... Um, may take the healing of them because they're going to be judged by the healing. That's what the, the the seven trumpet angels are standing there watching what happens. Because this plague's coming on in the morning. And it says, it should come to pass in that day and a great panic from the Lord will be among them and everyone will seize the hand of his neighbor and raise his hand against his neighbor's hand. See, that that's that's what he's talking about in the Ezekiel 38 war. Judas will also fight at Jerusalem. And the wealth of all the surrounding nations will be gathered together, gold, silver, and apparel in a great abundance. See, when Judah comes, that's important because that's saying that Judah is the first tribe to get, he's the first one that's going to get sealed. He's going to turn. 
when they turn, he will cause the other tribes to, to hear because he's going to take the word to them. The tribe of Judah is going to get this word we've been speaking of, teaching of, and so on. They're going to receive it, and they're going to believe it, and they're going to go out, and they will hear us at that time. He says, such, such shall also be the plague on the horse and the mule, on the camel and on the donkey and all the cattle that will be in those camps. What he's talking about is all the people, all the carriers of the word, all the, all the companies that support them with food, all the companies support them with clothing, all the companies support them with weapons and so forth to fight this evil stuff and to do these things like make these statues, make the Georgia Guidestones, you know, all these kind of things that they've done. Make the White House, make the these, um, you know, what do you call them? The, the I can't think of it right now. The um, these architects and stuff, where the Masons, these Mason Masonic temples and all that. That's all going to get destroyed by God. If you go back to Daniel and you look at what he did when he's doing the the um, the remember he did the statue that was, you know, what it was iron and clay. It's, it says in Daniel. Uh, two, it says, then the iron and the clay, the the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed together and became uh, like chaff. Whoops, wait a minute. I'm sorry. I should have started up here. Um, the You watched while a stone was cut out without hands. The stone is the word of God. And is what he's saying is these people, all right, all the time God is preparing the word. And he says it was not made with hands. And he says, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. God is that stone, not made with man, but he's saying that word. Now, what I want to tell you here is remember something important. Let me, let me finish this. I should say this. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed together and became like shaft from the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them away as no, that no trace of them was found. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. See, the Lord is saying that this is going to happen before Daniel 9.27. Because it's the ending of the flood of the dragon's mouth, the words of the dragon's mouth. Because that's what they are. Each one of these nations, the beast kingdoms, are talked about in Revelation 17 as being a mountain. And the fifth one's destroyed, and the sixth and seventh don't have any dominion yet, so they're they're put out into punishment. But a great mountain is going to come up in between them, Daniel 7, 9, uh, 7, 13 to 14, which is the kingdom of the Lord will reign for seven years, Daniel 9, 27. So that's the great mountain. They're going to come to that great mountain. But it's telling us that before the great mountain, we have authority to call upon the word, and we have the authority to crush these things. You don't have to do it with a hammer. You can do it with the word of God. You can speak these things and they will come to powder just like the water came out of the rock. If you're filled up with the spirit of God, God is going to allow this because it is the appointed time and we're in it right now for these things to be put away. And uh, this mountain of the beast kingdom is going to be destroyed because God's going to do it with his word. See, you do not have to take a hammer in your hand, which is a man-made item. He's saying a stone not made with hands is going to crush these things. He's saying you can speak to these items and they're going to go down. But you speak when God tells you to. And not by your own desire and not for your own selfish will or appointed or to be somebody important. But if you walk humbly before God and in favor with God, 
then you're going to have the power to do these things because it's the appointed time for these things to fall. That's very important for us to know. Now, I want to clarify here something real quickly in this uh, thing about Ishakar and, and Zebulon. Zebulon uh, is the one that said uh, he shall dwell by the heaven of the sea. And remember, he's the 10th one. He's the 10th one sealed. And he's also the 10th son of Jacob. And it, his thing is a dwelling, a habitation. But his habitation is, you know, it says that he shall dwell by the heaven of the seas. He shall become a haven for ships and his borders shall adjoin Sodom, which is the fishes. See, the, the, the way of this is what he's talking about. He's going to be going out and talking with these people. He's going to bring forth these people. He's going to talk to his people and bring them into the kingdom. But the Ishikar is going to be doing the, tent, the, the teaching in the, in the tents, in the pillar of God. He's going, they're going to be in that city. They won't go out. The people will come to them for the knowledge, but the child of Zebulon is going to go out and be zealous for this for making known knowledge, making known the meat of the word of God. That, that's why he says it joins Sidon, the border. And a haven for ships is we are all a ship. It's what we put in our hearts. It's what we put in our body. We are ships at the sea. The sea is the nations, <coughs> the multitudes, the um, nations, multitudes, peoples, and languages. Revelation seventeen fifteen. <clears throat> Now, the treasure, the abundance of the seas is abundance of the words. It's also abundance of the people because he says he's going to take back double what they have done to his people. People are going to give them the blessings to bring back to the kingdom of God. And also, they're going to get the treasures hidden in the sand. Please understand that the seas are people's, nations, multitudes, and their languages. Everything else is made of sand. So the treasures of sand, they're going to receive the gold and the rest of these things. But there also means the treasure of sand means that you can take these weapons of war and you can speak to them. Like if you pour them in a fire with the word of God, you know, you can't see iron and stuff burn. But remember that when Elijah put the things on the fire and put all the water on it and everything else, because the water is symbolic of the seas of the correction, fire came down and consumed it all. There wasn't anything left, not even the stones. See, this is what the Lord is talking about right now. You can cause these things by the word of God to be turned into plowshares. You, because remember something, if you go back to John fifteen seven, it says, if you follow the Lord's way, and he's telling you here what is his will during this time, and if you abide in the words, what you desire will be done for you. And God wants us to turn these things into plowshares. He's wanting us to turn them into plowshares. And, you know, when you're saying, uh, turn your plowshares into swords, these other people, <laughs> because they, they've lost the word. And they're going to try to turn it into sword. But it doesn't matter to them because you have to understand something. If they will turn, even if we turn plowshares into swords, we're talking about the word of God. You know, use it for purposes of God. But he says to turn the weapons into plowshares because we're going to till forth the ground and bring forth good things from it. 
I, ho- I hope you begin to understand what I'm trying to say here because what I'm trying to tell you is the, the particles, everything they got, every the weapon they have, every, everything idle, every you know, currency even, everything is made out of sand, particles. Semiconductors, lasers are made out of sand. And what I'm trying to say to you, they're particles, and you can cause those particles to go where they're supposed to be for this time and not where they are. They cannot shoot you with a laser. They cannot shoot you with a, um, some kind of a, you know, a bullet or something like this in these times. If you're understanding the word of God, you know, don't ever test God. You don't test him for your selfish reasons or your intent, what you want. It's when God tells you and gives authority because he's doing this for the glory of God, not for us. It's for the glory of God and the kingdom. And he did it. It's like with the disciples. He wanted the whole nation to turn. He wants the people, to, a people that's called out to come to him and enter and learn instruction and overcome the world. He says, if we will do these things in these seven churches, he will overcome the world. Overcome. He'll overcome the beast. We'll overcome his mark. We'll overcome the number and his name, his word. In other words, his number is all the particles that he's caused the people to make, all the weapons and everything. Those are numbers. They're numbered. Their particles are aligned and put together in weapons. You can cause those numbers to fall apart, asking it to fall apart into pieces that you desire. Because what you desire will be done for you. They say in this mountain, you can cast it into the sea or move it from here to there. That beast kingdom is a mountain. And by the word of God, you can speak this forth. And we'll come back and go into this more uh, a little bit better, but I want to give you the, the basic concept is that all these things are made of sand. And these things are held together by the number of the Lord. He allows them to be together. But it's not allowed to be together because God doesn't want us to teach war anymore. He doesn't want us to go to war with one another anymore. So we have the ability to show them the will of God. We have the right to show them the will of God. We have a right to disclose the evil and ask these things to be done to powder. When the Lord speaks and the people want to listen, they want to anoint him as king. If we will make him king over us, the power of the Lord is in his words. So if we make him king, then we have the right to fulfill the kingdom by the way of the words is what he's saying he's doing here. He's the mighty stone. And we will be given the authority to call upon these things at that time when we anoint him as our king instead of following these leaders of the world like he tells us not to do in Revelation 18, 1 to 4 because Babylon has already fallen. They're being judged. They're coming to the valley of judgment. God is judged. Valley of Jehoshaphat. In this day and also at the end of the Antichrist time, it's the valley of judgment. We are told that the Lord has judged and we're coming to that separation judgment. So therefore, we have the right before those things, you know, before he establishes his mountain to come to the mountain, we have the right for these things to fall, like he says in uh, Daniel 3. Okay, I praise the Lord and thank you. We pray, Lord, that this will be helpful to people, that they begin to grasp, dear Lord, what you have planned for them. And Lord, let them understand there's nothing that can come against them if they will turn to you and anoint you as king and obey what it says in Daniel 9, 24. To turn from the sin, turn from following the world, and, and start seeking your truth. We ask this in thy precious and thy holy name. In Jesus' name, amen.